Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Gargano. This is the podcast that surrounds everything youth sports. So I've covered pro and college sports the highest level, and I have fallen in love with youth sports. I'm a big believer in sports for children. I, I just think it's a it's such a great at, uh, great outlet and keeps them out of trouble. Keeps them they learn so many great life lessons. So as we go forward with the podcast, we're going to be talking to a lot of different people in the world of youth sports. We'll talk to some professional athletes who have children of themselves. We'll talk about the journey of the athlete. We'll highlight some of the terrific youth uh, sports athletes across the Delaware Valley and beyond. Uh, but really, we really wanted to try to give some advice to the parents. Listen, if you got a good story, good idea, please, like I said, hit me up and we'll get to Yo Kids Sports Podcast. I am so pleased right now to have with us Two great baseball men, two men uh, that really care about community. They care about the game. They care about the kids growing the game. And uh, I, I admire what they do. David Amaro, the godfather of youth baseball. Ruben Amaro, of course, has done everything. Player, GM, coach. He's done it all across Major League Baseball. Two brothers, uh, son of the great. Sons of the great Ruben Amaro Sr. Uh, joined the uh, program. Uh, first of all, guys, I, I applaud you uh, and all the works that you've done just, you know, for the game itself. You know, uh, David, I I'll start with you. Uh, your passion toward growing the sport and youth baseball, your resume speaks for itself. Thank you very much, and thanks for having us. What, what, let's start though, David. What 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 about the youth game really kind of drew you to it? It's funny because the two paths that uh, you and Ruben take are are different. Well, uh, baseball is obviously been in our blood. His dad was an eleven year big leaguer, and we grew up. And he was a baseball player, coach, scout, um, Latin American coordinator, and we did we loved the game. And we just love the camaraderie, the team element. But yet you had a, an individual point in time during a game where you had to deliver yourself. And we just fell in love with it, both Ruben and I. And it afforded us a lot of opportunities. So that's really what we what we uh, loved about the game. And uh, really, we, we just knew that's what we that's what our dad did. So um, we happened to embrace it. So that was enjoyable. Rube, what was that like? Just, you know, growing up the son of a player. It's funny. I all, often think you see the successes of sons of big leaguers, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. and the whole thing about the game itself. And I, I guess it's just being, you know, uh, allowed to, to be a part of it at such a young age and, and fostering the love that you have for it. Yeah, Anthony, thanks for having us. Um, you know, as my brother said, I mean, he's a little bit older than I am. So I sort of idolized both my dad and my brother and I sort of wanted to follow in their path. You know, my brother's a couple of years, two and a half or so years older than I am. And, you know, we just love sports in general. Um, I think as a as a young athlete, uh, love playing everything. And my brother's first love and only love was baseball. I mean, that was he was baseball centric, man. And and 
I actually enjoyed and started playing soccer as a young kid. Um, that was like my first organized sport. And, uh, and then I sort of morphed into, as I got an opportunity to be, you know, part of the, uh, part of the group that uh, did the bat going with the Phillies and just being around it a little bit more, I started to love the game more and more and more and sort of wanted to emulate my brother. Now, my brother was like a big first baseman, third baseman pitcher who had a lot of power. I was a little, a little dude who was a middle infielder and ended up sort of going the route of my dad as an infielder and then later on played the outfield. But we were totally different types of players. But it really um, – just being around the game of baseball and being able to be around the people that, you know, all of us, you, you grew up with uh, the Mike Schmitz and the Larry Boas and, and you know, that 19, uh, that 1980 World Series team. And, and uh, even in the 70s leading up to that team, you know, I, I just fell in love with the sport. And, uh, and we've obviously taken different paths, my brother and I. He ended up playing professionally briefly with the Cubs and I ended up, uh, you know, playing. But, um, but you know, it was really just about being exposed to it. And we didn't really know anything else other than, you know, how cool it was to be around a major league clubhouse. That's beautiful. So what, what I love your mission, because, you know, the game has changed from a youth standpoint so dramatically, right? So I have an 11U player and so I'm in the, I'm living it, right. You know, doing the Ripken thing and traveling all over and, you know, the whole thing, our workouts, I just got our schedule for our workouts in January. And the one thing that's so different now is, and this is going to lead into your mission, which is everything's travel ball. It's, you know, the, the youth game has changed so drastically, right? Like we're little league and Legion ball are, are now going by the wayside. That really is unfortunate. I mean, we grew up in an era where American Legion ball uh, was great, you know, Little League ball, and they had uh, the Devlin League in our area. You know, you had leagues, and it was everything was competitive, and nobody had to go travel to, to compete. And there was a lot more kids also playing. There was a lot less sports out there, too. So I remember, I remember back in the day, my father saying, and again, he's playing or coaching at that time, so he wasn't able to make a lot of my games. Uh, he, he was able to a little bit later when Ruben was playing, but you know, my dad's mission always was, you know, you have to play the game the right way, respect the game. And that's what we learned growing up, you know, wear the uniform properly, get to the field prepared, run 100 percent all the time. Don't jog on and off the field. Don't step on the white lines, all the different things that old school you know, baseball players would preach, you know, about how to go about things. You know, don't ever be disrespectful to an umpire. Call the umpires Mr. Don't call them blue. I mean, little things like that, you know, I remember my dad always telling us about and that kind of carried over into into our playing days. But the but the world has changed. You have to compete and play on these travel programs. And, you know, we, we have one, certainly that we've been running for 26 or so years. But that's a whole other story. But the point is, we're trying to figure out a way. I think we may have. Um, to offset finances for for people that aren't able to do it because everybody should have an opportunity to play baseball and it should not be based on the economics. And, and that's the thing that stands out is league fees and the travel fees. And I mean, geez, everything from the, the, the price of the bats. 
I mean, Rube, you know, I mean, these kids are swinging $350 bats. It's incredible when you think about it. When, you know, growing up, how bad it, like, we all, we all grabbed a bat from the community bag. That was it. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, it, we, we grew up playing um, in an era, as David said, where, you know, everybody used the same bat. I mean, we, one through nine, you know, you're using the same Eastern bat. Things have obviously changed um, in a lot of ways for the better as far as the equipment and that stuff is concerned. But the commitment that's needed, uh, both financially and time-wise, um, it's changed pretty dramatically. We always believed and we continue to believe that it's really important for a player or an athlete to be really well-rounded. They should be playing a variety of different sports. You know, we played, you know, basketball. We played uh, soccer. My brother played soccer and football. Um, you know, then we played baseball. So, you know, you kind of had that natural uh, break. And, you know, I guess in my, my day, I really feel like the, like the athletes were well more, a lot more well-rounded because they had the ability to, one, take a break, and then to, you know, play another sport where your muscles and your things and your, you know, the actions that you and the things that you did were so, were so important that you utilize in other sports. I mean, I even swam one off, you know, one winter um, for my school. So, so there were so many different things that uh, now it's so specialized. It's changed so dramatically. Uh, my brother's being kind of humble. He's had, uh, he's had the Philly Bandits. It's an organization that... Um, has really sort of pumped out a, a ton of guys and really his mission, and he can talk about it, but his mission was really to to give kids an opportunity to be seen by college play, college coaches, and just to give them, you know, a chance to get educated because that's what was important for our family. Uh, the, the whole education piece of this, I mean, that's what it all gets gets down to. Very, very few people get a chance, as you know, Anthony, to play at a uh, at an elite level of sports. Um, you know, the percentages are tiny and, you know, but, but yet there are a much better percentage of chance for, for athletes to have the opportunity to get a scholarship or get educated or whatever, get it, go to a, a good college, um, and be able to mitigate some of the, some of the cost of that. If you are good enough to play in that program, whether it's D1, D2, D3, whatever the case may be. And i really, that's the, been the mission of the Philly bandits and the mission of our family, um, and it's something we're trying to carry over in my in my dad's name. Yeah, I, I I love it. I mean, you know, Ruben, you went to Stanford. David, you went to Duke. And you know, education meant a lot to your family. And you could see by what you guys are doing and giving back. And and David, th this is why you started this foundation, right? You guys started this foundation, and you really want to help. So let's dive into it. The Ruben Amaro Senior. Uh, foundation. Uh, tell us about it. Tell us how we can get involved. You know, tell us what you guys, the mission is. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we are excited. I mean, this is a, this foundation is honoring the legacy of our father who, um, as we've been discussing, he said, look, education is going to help you throughout your life. Right. And so we want to give back and help more kids get an opportunity. Our mission simple. We want to help young student athletes go to college, get an opportunity to go to college. And if you utilizing baseball as one of the extracurriculars to help them do that and save their parents a couple dollars, that's wonderful. What we found in in helping many players 
um, get scholarships and play baseball in college and some professionally, what we found is there's a lot of money on the academic side. And I don't mean straight A students because everybody can't be a straight A student. But if every but those that do as well as they can academically often have an ability to get a lot of money off on student athlete um, at college at the division one, two and three level. So we're finding there's no full scholarship. This is not this is not football and it's not and it's certainly not uh, not basketball. So the full scholarships don't exist in this world. So they're all partial scholarships. And we know that rising cost of education. So. We started this foundation in dad's name to, to really level the playing field and help generate money um, through our nonprofit. This is a nonprofit, you know, 501, you know, C3 that that disseminates money to kids that can't do it and also helps them in college. If there's a shortfall in college, we help and educate. We help by helping sending them money so that they can, you know, go through their college education, get their degree. So it's growing. And what we realize, this isn't all about one organization. We have several organizations and we have several more that have called us to say, hey, look, how can we be a partner in your foundation? Because then it gives them an ability to, to raise money. So if a dollar comes in and it's not designated to a particular team, then we will disseminate that to all of the teams within the partnership. And, um, and it allows them to, to raise tax deductible money and help out young players that otherwise couldn't afford to do these things. And what I mean by doing Anthony, things is traveling all over the place to to get visibility by college coaches. Anthony, you know that uh, just having a youngster yourself uh, with the right. costs are as far as travel baseball, it's no longer, you know, you just you sign up for a team, you pay 50 bucks and, you, and your, your family carries you for the for the summer. It's uh, there's all types of expenses and it's become it's gotten to the point where, you know, we're starting to weed out some great athletes who ha should have a chance to play yes. at a higher level and to be seen. And so whether it's an inner city kid or, or it's a kid in, in the suburbs, it doesn't really matter. What we want to try to do is give everybody an opportunity to play on one of these, uh, you know, soak these, these club type of teams um, and to be able to supplement their ability to do that uh, with, the, with the funds that are coming in. And, and that's, that's really it in a nutshell. And if we can do that and we can do that for more players, it'll grow the game. Um, I think that'll um, it'll also maybe push some players that would be athletes in, a, in another sport, maybe maybe giving them an opportunity to be baseball players. And, and I, I think that that's a and that's a really important part of what this is about. It, it is. I, I applaud, listen, I, I firsthand you said it, man, like it's expensive and a lot of kids just can't afford it. Uh, and David, do me a favor. If you could log back in because we lost your camera and I want to make sure they everybody sees your handsome face. But Ruben, you're spot on about this. Like, you know, it's a lot of kids are going to go, you know what? Forget about it. Forget about baseball. I'll just play basketball because all I need is a ball and I'll just go to the playground and the game misses out on all these great players and the game misses out on, you know, just the excitement and fans. And you know how it is, Ruben, like that when we foster fans of the game, you got to play it, man. Part of the being a kid is, you know, playing it and you're loving this, watching it. You're imagining yourself playing for the Phillies. I mean, that's all part of the whole thing. 
Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, it's uh, there, there. There are so many opportunities and so many different sports and so many different uh, things that the athletes can do to, in this day and age. If we can um, facilitate the ability for that that player, that athlete, uh, female or male, whether it's a softball player or a baseball player, it doesn't matter. Um, if we can facilitate their ability to 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 be able to play on some of these club teams that are that that you know that basically are fairly expensive to play for, um, then then that's what this is all about. We want to give everybody make it level the playing field so that those athletes can do what they need to do. I love it. I, I love it, David. You you talked about like, and I got a buddy of mine who ha- has had to go now. You know he can afford it, but he's got a a, real, a kid, good ball player. He's been in these showcase games. I mean, he was back and forth to Georgia four different times this summer playing in showcase tournaments. Like, what? what how many families can afford to go back and forth to Georgia to show their kids so these kids can play and you know get exposure to college scouts? It, it, you're you're exactly right. It is, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to mitigate the, the expense there. But what we have found, it, there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Look. We, we have situations where we have families that are playing and the young man is playing in our organization. And when we started to grow and have more and more players, the burden became higher. All of a sudden, somebody loses a job or something or something happens. And, you know, Ruben and I are fine. It, you know, to the extent we can cover it out of our pocket, it, it became too big. And, and that's where this foundation came in. But what's happening, the good news is, Southeastern Pennsylvania and Southern New Jersey is becoming a hotbed of talent. There's so many talented players in our area within a couple hours of just the Philadelphia area that know how to play baseball, that that are good players and can play in cold weather. What I mean by that is college baseball starts in March. So if you're not in Florida, Texas, or, or California, it's cold and it's snowing and you, and our kids can handle that where some of the kids from those other areas can't. So we become, when I say we, our kids become more desirable because they can handle the cold. You can look at some of those really expensive bats that you just talked about, and it says you can't use them under 55 degrees. We play under 55 <laughs> degrees half the time. you know. So anyway, the, the point is um, it is expensive. And, and the reason it is because the tournament costs are very expensive. Uniform costs, equipment costs. You know, and all these organizations try to help out. And, you know, they're trying to cover uniform costs, cover different um, costs. But now we may have a vehicle where, um, look, I understand that cancer research and and juvenile diabetes and, and those kind of causes are really significant and they're so very important. Um, but if somebody can donate some money and they also can de- donate to help young men and young women get an opportunity to play college sports. I think that's also a very, very good uh, avenue to donate money. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it's not mutually exclusive. I mean, you, let, let's face it, it; we know what sport means to our society and what it does to help kids. It, it, you know, they don't need to go play for the Phillies, right? Like, they, all they need to do is even the kids that just play through high school. It, it just helps them being a part of a team. It, it helps them stay out of trouble. I mean, you know, I, I, I want my kids to to play sports all year round because 
I, I know it occupies them. It's healthy for them physically. It's healthy for their brains, their development. So that to me is a worthwhile charity. You know, when we talk about, you know, what sport means to development of our next generation. You make a great point, Anthony, because um, for me, and and I have, I, you know, I, I live in the sort of the fantasy world of, of being uh, involved in baseball, uh, and I don't, I'm not necessarily in the real world where my brother is. He's in marketing and sales and and that sort of thing. But the reality of it is this: when you play sports at a high level, you become a very, especially if you get to to play sports and have that on your resume in from college. That is huge. And I know, and my brother can speak to this more, but we've talked about this at length privately, that when you're hiring kids, you want you want young people who have played sports, who have competed, who have been part of, uh, of a team building together to, uh, to have success. And I think there's a there's a whole lot of like, uh, you know, different tangential things that can happen. When you give a young player or a young uh, athlete an opportunity to go play at a high level, because it's not necessarily about what they're going to do as an athlete. It's about what they're going to be as a person. And that's what we're all about is giving them an opportunity to have, you know, to have a chance to be successful in life. Amen. Amen, brother. Hey, uh, David, how do people get a hold of you? Like, you know, if if you're, out there and you're watching this and maybe you're a part of a youth organization anywhere across the Delaware Valley, what's the proper steps? What's the protocol? Uh, if you're involved in a, in a baseball or a softball organization uh, to then, you know, kind of reach out to you and take us through the steps of how it, they would go down. Really easy. Um, so the, the website is simple. It's are you Drubin senior, R U B E N S R.org. Um, so it's, you know, just the way it is, rubensenior.org and or you could email me at diamaro at comcast.net if that's easier. But I think the website is really self-explanatory and really helpful. But I wanted to add one last thing that Ruben said, and I, and I, and I can't emphasize it enough. Um, you know, in this world where us as parents, my, son, my sons are, are older now, but us as parents, we always want to help. What I love about baseball and softball is our athletes learn how to fail and how to be resilient and how to come back and do things again and try harder. In that world, I think it's just the one they teach teaches wonderful lessons for the boys and the girls. And what ends up happening is they tend to have, you know, when they move to the next step of their lives, whatever that may be, they're able to handle things um, a lot better because they know how to, what's the next thing? You know, what happens after you fail? You know, because baseball is so crazy. I mean, you fail seven out of 10 and you're an all-star. Can you believe that that would not fly in any, any one of our daily jobs, you know, to fail that much? But that's why I think baseball is a great tool. But I'd also emphasize that the players need to play multiple sports. To Ruben's earlier point, don't be locked into, we want, we want athletes to play the game. Play football, baseball, basketball, soccer, tennis. Play everything you possibly can until they tell you you can't. Because inevitably, we see the guys that are multi-sport athletes tend to get hurt less because they're utilizing all kinds of muscles in their body and they're on the field more. And I I didn't do any statistical analysis there, but I see that. 
um, with our guys that are playing multiple sports as opposed to the ones that are just playing one sport all year round. So just something I, I, I got it. I'm, I'm so glad you guys brought this up because I, I want to delve into it. And a lot, again, this whole podcast is advice for parents and uh, youth athletes uh, and keeping up with your fellow young baseball players is uh, an issue, right? Like, so let's talk about other sports. I want to use my kid as an example. So he's playing basketball. He played football. He played fall ball and he played football. He plays basketball. And now come January, we start our winter workouts, right? Because, you know, March will be around here and then they'll start playing games. So my question is, what's necessary in your guys' eyes and what's not? Like, so he's he did fall ball, and again, uh, come January, he'll start up workouts and they're three days a week. Let me let me just talk from from my perspective as far as baseball is concerned. You see so many young players now, just just as far as physically, so many young players who are getting injured earlier and earlier because they're playing baseball and throwing the baseball like nine or 10 or 12 t- uh, months out of the year, which is to me a lot for a young player because it puts a lot of stress on your arm. And that is just not a natural thing to do. The, the, the act of throwing a baseball is just not a natural thing to do. And so I think the exposure, especially for young athletes, anywhere from, you know, eight to 12, I think it's important for them to like, get the natural break and time for their bodies to recuperate so that they're, you know, now as, as they get older, uh, I understand there, there's a, there's a world of a specialization now uh, with the athletes that they feel like, well, they'll be behind if they don't play fall ball and summer ball and, you know, spring ball. And, and I just think that the, this, there is something that my dad has always told me and it will never go away in my mind. And I believe this as a, as a professional on the baseball side, as a GM, as an assistant GM, whatever the case may be, as a scout, if your son or your daughter is good enough, they will be found. They will be found. And so there is this, you know, obsession with, you know, having all the, you know, having to go to all these showcases and what have you. If the athlete is good enough, the athlete will be found and that athlete will get an opportunity. That doesn't mean that you don't work at it, but but the reality of it is you don't have to overexpose yourself. And my brother can talk more about this because he's dealing with uh, youth athletes uh, much more than I am. Um, but I just, at the end of the day, if, you're, if your son or daughter is a good enough athlete to play at the D3 or D1 or D2 or even professional level, they will be found. <laughs> They're not going to be lost through the cracks. And, and will they be developed said, though? That like yeah. that's the question, right? Like, will they be developed from a baseball standpoint if they don't play fall ball or their limited workouts? I guess that's as a father, that's all of our our greatest conundrums, right? Let me. Let me that's great, a great, great, great question. It's a great question. It's great. Yeah, one one thing out. So we have a lot of players that play football and soccer in the fall if i could abolish fall baseball i would okay (laughs) why because they need down i want the kids to play soccer and football lacrosse they can't play lacrosse is the same time right 
there are sports that conflict, right? Um, so people get frustrated with baseball and then they go play lacrosse because they're the same season. But I've told guys, look, coach, I'm going to play football, but then I'm going to come to, no, no, you're on the team. You're on the team. You are going to go play and enjoy football and be safe. Go soccer, whatever this sport is in the fall. Okay. Because here's the other thing that happens. Everybody's so hung up on showcases. Showcases don't get somebody an opportunity. Don't give somebody an opportunity. Kids are not ready to go. And then all of a sudden they go to a showcase in December and they're throwing as hard as they can. And they get hurt because they're not ready to do They're, they're not developing. Right. They're not ready. So I am so against all those individual showcases that people spend so much money on for their, for their sons and daughters. Because if you can't stand out because you're not the fastest, you're not the biggest, you're not the quickest, you're not. Nobody, nobody's getting any scholarship because my, their exit velocity is phenomenal. If it was, mine's 120 right now. Okay, I'd be playing at my old age. So the bottom line is exit velocity means zero. It's good hard contact consistently and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? All that stuff. So the showcase world to me is not a good one. And that's not where you should put your money. Focus on, to your point, development. But you don't, but be athletes and play multiple sports. And at some point, you may really excel in one, and hopefully it's baseball. And then, then you can focus on it. But not, not when you're 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. You don't know. Just go out and play everything you possibly can because ultimately, physically, it's going to help you. And then we don't have to get into rehab stuff and all those other things that so many kids are involved with now on the, from you know the different um, strains and stresses and breaks and, God forbid, Tommy John. So right. anyway, we – we want athletes to be out there playing and learning how to compete, playing as a team, camaraderie. That's that's big because if you want to play college sports, second question I get from a college coach if they're looking at one of our players, Dave, is a kid a team guy or is he a showcase guy? They, they want to know that the kid wants to win. Definitely. And it's not individual you know, stats that are most important to him. It's almost you know, like so. the AAUization of baseball, which is showcase, right? The AAU yep. basketball thing, which cr- kind of creates a lot of selfishness on the floor, and it's kind of filtered into baseball in that kind of way. Yeah, and, and, and I, I would just say, you asked a great question, Anthony, about uh, development. There are yeah. some, there are some, there are some great uh, organizations that are committed to developing players. There are some organizations that are committed to sending them and making money and then, you know, factoring, you know, it's like a factory, you're just flipping guys out there. Um, and one of the things that my brother can actually do is I'll let you know, cause he knows every single youth baseball program, uh, in this entire area. So one of the things, if you happen to want to email him and ask him, Hey, where's the best place for this guy to play? Where, you know, where can he learn how to play baseball? I know that the Philly bandits, uh, our mission is to teach people how to play baseball the right way. So he, so his organization is going to do that. But he also knows that there's other organizations that do a good job and maybe sure. other organizations that don't do as good a job. But if you need advice, if you need some information about that, certainly um, David can help uh, I love that. with that as I, well. I, I, I absolutely love that. David, what, what, is the, what is your feeling on 
co- like per- pitching coaches, infield coaches. At what age do you think kids should start to really, you know, work and then work with individual coaches in the game? My belief there is not until they're on the big field. Okay, when they, when they're playing on the smaller field. So once they're on on the on the big field, thirteen plus years. That's ninety feet. That's ninety feet. 90 sixty feet, feet six when inches. When they're playing on the big field, a ninety foot field, sixty <laughs> foot six inches, all that stuff. When they're, when they're once they're on that field, then having some personal instruction is always helpful. But I'll tell you where I've seen kids get themselves in trouble with their high school coaches where they say, I, I heard this before, and I'm like, ooh, I said, be careful, guys. They'll say to their high school coach, and the key is when you're playing on the high school team, you need to get on the field. You need to be liked. You need the coach to know that you're a team guy, right? You can't say, hey, coach, you know, I, you know what? I, I'm not going to throw today because I have my, my private pitching guy that, I'm, that I go to on Wednesdays. I, guys are saying that, yeah. and then they're not endearing themselves to the coaches, and guess what happens? They sit on the bench. So I advise all our guys, guys, do not talk. You whatever the whatever your high school coach says, you do. Some are some are practicing all year round. Some are doing. You, you have you have to follow the rules of the particular program so that you get on the field. Not getting on the field doesn't help anybody. But um, I think that I think it's fine. I think it's good. There's there's really good pitching guys out there. There's guys that are very good hitting guys. Um, you know, the one thing that my dad was very specific about, he did not like. The underhand, this is in baseball only, the underhand flipping to players at all. He used to he used to come around and say, what, what are you doing with these guys? Don't, it was a coach threw a bunch of pitches, now they're right. flipping and all that. They're never going to see a ball from that angle. Sit on a bucket and throw darts if you're tired so that you're always throwing the proper way so the kids are seeing them. But so many Anthony, our- I actually, Anthony, I actually banned underhand toss in my organ in our organization in Philadelphia uh, for a couple of years in our wow. development program. Yeah, we banned it just because Thank again, you, you don't uh, when you're throwing the ball from under. I mean, you very rarely. What, how many Dan Quisenberries and Kenton right. Colby's are there out there? Very few. So you want to when you're tracking the baseball, you want to track it from top down. Yeah, yeah. that makes you know what's funny. It, that's so makes such perfect sense that like you never and every you know ninety percent of these organizations all the coaches will do it like I'm, I'm thinking of myself like I'm guilty of it like yep. yeah and you're right there's like, nothing it, wrong with, there's, and there's nothing wrong with front flip I mean I did it everybody did the but um, but I would prefer to have guys front flip from from sit on a bucket and throw from up top boom yeah yeah same, same yeah. sort of same sort of theory or. Someone's going to have to deliver the ball from a, from a, from a higher level because you very very rarely see the ball working up underneath. That's that's so that's so great. It's so that's so great. Hey, uh, what what would what would you guys you know advice for you know for when it comes to parents that are a little leery? So like you have the little league thing and the rec ball. And I've never seen a bigger disparity between the rec ball because the travel kids come aboard and it's, you know, especially during the the real little ones, when you get to like 8, 9, 10, 11, that, that age group, the disparity is so great that it chases away a lot of kids 
because you know they sh- sometimes they shouldn't even be on the same field because they can get hurt. Yeah, that's that's a really tough one, and we've had that situation. And I'll never forget when I was coaching. Like, I did something interesting when my kids were really younger. I actually had them play for another organization because I wanted to see what was going on out there. You know, I didn't want it to be daddy Dave ball all the time. Yeah. And one of my, one of my sons who's still in baseball, is pretty funny. I couldn't even coach him. He would throw his glove at me when he was a little guy. And now he's, <laughs> you know, now he's in baseball. Okay. And he, cause he was a character, right? So I, I never coached him, but what I, what I see is, you know, you have to be really careful with the amount, you don't want to play too much. If the parents are making the kid go play or go work out, you know, you can turn people off, right? And you don't you don't really want to do that. So you have to make it fun and you have to be really cautious because um, to that one point you said, a mom is yelling at me, why is my son not playing first base? Why is he not playing first base? And I said, ma'am, honestly, you can't defend it. I'm worried because some of the kids throw so hard. Sure enough, I got so aggravated with her yelling at me that I, I made the move and I don't do this anymore. I don't listen anymore. I do what's the right thing. I put the kid at first base, kid catches the ball, throws it, bang, hit the kid, hurt the whole thing. I turned around. I said, that's your fault. Yeah. But anyway, the point is you yeah. can't, you got to be careful in baseball. You, you, you start mixing the kids that are more advanced and, the kids that are more advanced at, at 10, 11, 12, a lot of times they may have matured and they may not grow any further and may not get better, you know? So you just have to be, you have to kind of separate them and be careful with if there's travel guys and, you know, the, you know, the in-house guys, just let them play. It doesn't matter what level, just as long as they're, somebody's not overwhelming the other team, you know, because then there's no, there's no benefit to that, you know? So yeah, you I, I, I will say this. I mean, it, it, baseball is a very unique game and the development of the game and the ability to develop. Sometimes it can happen really fast, but most of the time it takes some time for guys to get there. It's a different yeah. type of sport. Um, and, and there's so much negativity. We've, we've, we, and we've <laughs> talked about this a little bit. It's a negative sport. Like you fail a lot in baseball. And, and, and the last thing you want to do for a young player and, and a young athlete is to put them in a position where they're feeling overwhelmed because they'll turn you off and, and that'll be the end. And it will be a shame if the person actually has some ability, some natural ability to have that person be turned off, whether, whatever sport it may be. Yeah. Uh, and, and you want to make sure that they're, they're developing at their own level and not putting them in. Now, some people can, you know, play up. You know, some people can, you know, you, you can can excel, but I think it's really important. That's one of the toughest things to do is is to understand, you know, the steps it takes for some athletes. Uh, some guys get it faster, some guys get it slower, but you just have to have a level of patience, and you know, you have to have people who know what they're doing as far as instruction is concerned to help kind of nurture them along. I, I want you guys uh, to talk directly to the parents for a second because you are two accomplished men. And, you know, for every parent, because, you know, David, you mentioned that woman. And I, and I see it, you know, with, with, and you see it all the time. And, and Ruben saw it from a, a different perspective when it comes to fans. Everybody thinks their kid is, should play shortstop, 
right? Bat third and is going to be the next trout, right? And you, you need to, people need to understand A, being realistic with their own child and B, allowing coaches to be able to coach, right? Like, you know, without the, like the parents sometimes are completely overbearing and, and I think it's good for them to hear from accomplished men like yourselves to kind of heed some real advice. So, I mean, Dave, let's start with you. Like, what, what would you say directly to the parents? First thing is, and this is something that I'll never forget. We were 10, 11 years old. Do not ever carry your son or daughter's equipment. Never, <laughs> ever, ever, ever carry their equipment bag. Every one of you dads and moms do it. And the kids are 10, 11, 12. It just happened the other day with our 14 year old group. I said, I said, I had all the kids and I'm not coaching the team, but I'm running the organization. I had all the kids go work out inside with the coaches. And I went and I talked to the parents. I said, four of you carried your kids equipment in 14 years old. Right. I said, stop. Okay. This is, this is, you can't do that. I, I want you parents. You can talk to me about anything. But let the kids learn to communicate for themselves and let them be responsible for their own for their own equipment. They have to bring their glove, you know, and if they forget something, you know, that's on them or they'll never learn. We, we have to stop trying to help do everything for our for our kids or they're not going to be self-sufficient. So that was something I just I, I, I got to tell you, I, it's great advice. And I'm, I'm guilty, man. Like I, I remember driving home like 40 minutes because he forgot his cleats, right? Like, <laughs> and I get back, and he wound up hitting a triple in his Jordans. So I'm like, look at this little punk, right? <laughs> I'm it like, happens. I, it's unbelievable. I, and I carry the bag. You're, that's such great. <laughs> that's awesome advice. They, you're right. They, we have a tendency to be the lawnmower or the helicopter or whatever parent it is sometimes. Uh, you know, we need to back off. That's just awesome. One, one other piece of advice, and this happens all the time. Mom and dad, please, if your son is pitching or your daughter is pitching, don't stand beh directly behind so they see <laughs> you, they see your face. So every pitch, this happens, this happens all, all of a sudden, the kid throws a pitch and it's borderline. Umpire calls it a ball. Parent is behind and their face is going, Mm. They're, they're aggravated. They're yelling at the umpire, mm -hmm. right? They're right behind. So that every pitch that the kid throws, and I saw it more on the softball field. It was unbelievable. Dad yelling at girls throwing a great game, balls off a little bit. And she sees her dad's aggravation every single pitch. Yeah. Please get out of their eye shot, move away. Let them, let them have fun. They're not yeah. going to want to do it if they keep thinking they have to appease you. Last thing. Us as parents, and this is real, are going to believe that our sons or daughters are about 25 to 30 percent better than they actually are. <laughs> okay? Yes. At least. Yes. At least. At least. Because it's really hard to play shortstop in college. Very few of the guys in this area end up going and playing. But everybody's a shortstop and a pitcher and, you know, all that for all the right handers. And I get that. Just the key, the key is to play and let your kid play multiple positions because if he plays on the high school team, they may have a senior at shortstop 
he may have to play left field. So let's be well-rounded and get on the field, and then everything will work itself out. Oh, that's beautiful. That's so true, man. You're spot on. Uh, Rube, what would you say to the uh, directly to the parents, who, whom you probably heard from as uh, fans? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think more than anything else, it's about just let your kids play. I I know everybody everybody wants. I, I, I'm a parent. I wanted my kids. They were both soccer players. I want them. To, I was on the sidelines trying to cheer them on, trying to be you know the the hovercraft dad. Um, all I can tell you is this: is that if your kid just knows you're in the ballpark or in the stadium or wherever in the playground. That's all that matters. They know that you're going to be you're, you're, that they know that you're going to be supporting them. My dad used to come to games and he would be like down the left field line or the right field line. He would never want to interject. I mean, there are some things that I'm sure he'd watch the coaches and he watched them. You know, you know, watch the game and he would think to probably think to himself, well, that's probably not the right the way to go way to go about it. But he never told. He always told us the same thing. Respect your coaches. Mm. Respect the what they say. Do what they say. Heed their, you know, heed heed the, their word. And um, and when you as you continue to develop as you get older and older, the instruction level will get better. And that's you know that's what's going to happen. It's a natural order of progression. So um, to me, it's about just let your kids play and and be as supportive as possible. I think. Um, when parents get too involved and they start to push and push, I think it, it puts the kids in a tough position uh, because they may not be all that interested in being a baseball player. Maybe they want to go, you know, do something else. Maybe they want, I mean, it's great to expose them to those things, but it's also um, sometimes as Charlie Manuel used to say, less is more, less <laughs> can be more. And, and I think that that's uh, that's an important element of it. Be supportive, be there for them, but don't necessarily uh, run the show because uh, at some point they're going to make a choice and it's going to have to be whether they love the game and love the sport or not. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the bottom line. It's really about their lives, not yours. That's beautiful. Uh, and Andy, you guys, I say one, yeah. one last, thing, last thing about parents. Um, the one thing that you do need to get involved with is, is the amount of balls that your pitchers throw and this is not girls can pitch a lot more than the guys can but if they're eight nine ten eleven twelve you have to be really careful with how many pitches they throw because what you're forgetting about is when they're in the field they're throwing equally they're, they're throwing twice as much as you think they're throwing yeah and they're developing and they're and their growth plates aren't ready yet and their ligament be very careful they they're all throw too much you know, so you got to be really careful with that. You know, they shouldn't throw more than sixty-five. And, and I gotta, I gotta say this. Even at, even at the collegiate level, we all know who Aaron Nola is. Correct? Anybody in this area knows who he is. You know that Aaron Nola did not pitch, did not pitch for his summer team, ever. Up leading up until leading up until college, hmm. and there's a reason why he's one of the most durable players in the game and why he's not knock wood, why he's not had any major injuries because he took care of his arm as a young, as a young player and his parents made a great decision to, to preserve that. And I will say this, 
the throw, the action of throwing, and I studied uh, kinesiology and sports medicine in, in, in school. That's I was good at. If I didn't play baseball, I was going to try to get into that area of the game. I can tell you unequivocally that throwing a baseball is the most unnatural thing to do. It is physically the most difficult thing to do on your body and your joints and uh, all parts. That's why you see so many ligament problems, so many stressors on your arms, so many, so many different things because it's a very unnatural thing to do. Now, softball players are working underneath the axis. It's different. Right. They're, it, 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 the, the mechanics of it are totally different. And so you really have to be careful to preserve that youngster to make sure that they're not putting more unnatural stress on, uh, on top of that unnatural stress, uh, as, as youngsters. That's great advice. And that's, you know, that's such a great nugget with, uh, Aaron Nola too, because you see kids all the time, man. I mean, you can't be throwing spring and then your, your summer team. And then if you're playing fall ball, it's just too much. And you forget about all the pitches. We, we used to focus, remember, I guess it was Ben McDonald and, you know, uh, the, back in the day about pitch counts. But, like, we forget that when they're 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, all through high school, how much they're throwing at that level. So that's just yeah. wonderful advice. The re- real, real quick, uh, I just want to thank you guys. I, I love what you guys are doing. I love your mission. Once again, the Ruben Amaro Senior Foundation. Uh, we're looking for donors, right? Like you know, so if you donate, uh, it's because it's a charity. It's a tax write-off. Uh, we're looking for youth organizations to get involved. So anybody in the area with youth baseball or softball to contact you guys. And uh, you, it'll, it'll be it, – it's a great mission, I think. Thank you. Anthony, thanks so, thanks so much for allowing us to be with you. Yeah, and I, I, and I need you again at some point. You guys are too good, and the advice is too strong. So a lot of parents need that. So, boys, thank you. And uh, thank you. listen, have a Merry Christmas. God bless your families. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having so us. Thanks so much, Anthony. And Bye. thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Here at Yo Kid Sports. For Brendan Petrilli and myself, Andy, Anthony Gargano, I just want to thank you for hanging on our channel. I, we love it, all right? We love doing this content. Just do us a solid and hit the subscribe button because the more people that we can reach, that we can amplify this thing, the better guests, the more content that we can produce. So do us a solid, hit the subscribe, tell your friends, your families, your coaches, get everybody subscribed because Chances are here at Yo Kid Sports, we're going to be talking about your kid or your coach. It's a lot of fun. Hang with us.